All right, guys, we are back with another Audible Ecstasy podcast, semi-bonus episode, if you will. We weren't anticipating having all three here. However, the gang is in for this review of Rush's A Farewell a farewell to Kings from 1977. You guys ready to do this? Well, yes, I'm ready. I think we are. Yeah, Seems I like at my age, is. I'm always at semi-bonus. So. Semi-bonus. Oh, my God. Uh, I got an intro. I got an intro. Bring it on. Um, to seek the sacred river Alf, to walk the caves of ice, to break my fast on honeydew, it's the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Wow. Breaking in some deep lyrical rhyme. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. And by the way, folks yes. listening to this, if the thing is screwed up at all, I'm the one running the episode this week with the audio. So FYI, sent the complaints to Chris, but realized I tried my best. So <laughs> well, I was oh out of God. town all week for anybody listening, so I really didn't have a chance to pull any clips or anything. I let I let these guys take the lead this week on the podcast. I'm just here to yeah. keep well, them you, in check on their on their fanboying, which yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna keep these guys in check on the fanboying because I know it'll be ridiculous. So it was supposed give to an be honest me. perspective here. It was supposed to be me and Jimmy celebrating an amazing album, yeah. and then Chris wants to chime in and put his and ridiculous it. stuff in there. So let's put it that yeah, way. It's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll yes. allow it to happen this time. Uh, I'm going to represent the 90% of music listeners out there that don't like Rush and, and uh, oh, give an honest oh. review. I wouldn't say 90. I wouldn't say 90. <laughs> I, I would not say harsh, 90. Harsh, I think 9 out of 10 people would be like, nah, it's not my thing. Eh, you'd be surprised. 8 out of 10. Am I being honest or fairly? Who knows, dude? I, I know that it's a, uh, it's everybody I know in the music that likes music, you know, playing music, making music, they typically lean toward the liking of the rush. And, uh, it is, uh, it, it is an acquired listen and I'll bring that up later, but it's an acquired taste. And once you, once you get it, you get it, dude, you're in, you're in. All right, let's get this thing started. I'm going to start it off with the, uh, the first song. It is farewell to Kings. Here we go, guys. Okay, guys, so A Farewell to Kings starts this song off, or starts the album off with a nice, soft intro, some acoustic playing, some bells, and, I mean, really, what more do you need to start out a song? I mean, it was it seems like it may be a bit odd, but after that possible brief moment of a little disappointment, the band comes in thunders, sounding very similar to Led Zeppelin in their heyday. Riff-wise, this is purely inspired by Jimmy Page. The vocals come in, and it's where a lot of people sometimes either tune in or tune out and that's the that's the thing about rush it's not necessarily the the taste for everyone but it is such a good taste 
I think uh, for sure this song is absolutely going to fall under the uh, the greatness of Rush. I think it's a great way to start this record out. Uh, the guitar work uh, is absolutely excellent on this song. The, the drumming is frantic at times, but this is what Neil Peart does. Uh, the tempo changes and time changes are what make this progressive music, and it's what makes it a great way to start the record. I start this off with a seven. God help us, Chris. Well, we, we start with this... Uh Walking through the Shire, open like like uh, some of these bands like to do. Uh, it's cool. Was it about three minutes of that? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that long on this one. Uh, there's just like a rocking tune that kicks in. I mean, honestly, like this is one of my more liked songs on this album. Uh, I think Impressive. Getty sounds really good in his vocals on this. I really like that bass guitar solo that kicks in there about halfway yeah. through this. Yeah, you see, these guys think I'm gonna like bash. I'll be. I give fair criticism or fair <laughs> critique on this stuff I'm, I'm waiting for the mousetrap to just I no, no. no i actually the gave this song an eight. Mousetrap, I, so to speak. I actually think yeah. it's an excellent song i give it an eight i'll get that square out of the way oh wow but you know it, it kind of feels a little bit like freeform jazz in a way when you listen to it the parts of it do you know it's, it's uh it's progressive music, it's kind of hard yeah is that kind of what progressive music yeah. is a lot of times it's kind of like flows and doesn't really it's have less structure kind of like they jam they just sit together it's definitely like a jam bandish kind of stuff yeah, I think it's an excellent song. Great way to start the album. Fantastic. All right, Anthony. I'm, Farewell I'm a, to Kings. I'm a little taken aback by that. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Actually, I too am in shock for those listening at home. I uh, My mouth hit the floor whenever he started talking like this. I wasn't expecting this at all. Well, it's not going to be like that the whole, ep- or the whole episode, but it's a pretty good song. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Anyways, uh, songfacts.com. Uh, this is the title track, of course. With lyrics written by their drummer, Neil Peart. The song is about dealing with hypocrisy and finding your own way by looking within yourself. There's a fair amount of Middle Ages imagery here. Castles, Knights, which shows us how this challenge has been going on for ages. And Rush is also kind of a thinking man's band, too, at times. So they like to like to get you pondering a lot of stuff when you listen to their music. So oh, yeah. it makes yeah. sense. The song would be about that. Um, you know, man, I love the instrumental that leads this one in. I dig the way it sounds, the way it builds, the way the band is firing on all cylinders. It's a great lead-in song to one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Rush albums. Um, you can hear the bass thumping, the drums pounding, guitar screeching. What's not to love? I dig that bass and guitar duel in the middle of it. You got the bass going, guitar going. It's really cool stuff. Uh, it's a killer tune, man. It's a nine. It's outstanding for me. I'm awesome. digging this one a lot, so... Awesome, awesome. All right, we're going to move this thing forward to track number two. It's called Xanadu. Here we go, boys. To seek the sacred river out, to walk the caves of ice, to break my fast on honeydew, and drink the milk of paradise. Oh yeah, there we go. 
There are epic songs, and then there are epic songs. And in Journey's catalog, this one is considered one of those latter epics with a little... Did you say Journey? Yes. Did you say Journey's catalog? This is a journey through their catalog. Uh, okay. Your uh, Journey's catalog. I think it's your <laughs> no, internet. No, 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 sorry. Being a little buggy. My bad. My bad. It's a journey through their catalog, and there are epic songs in their catalog that oh, yes. absolutely stand out, and this is going to be one of those tunes. I mean, this is a, it's an aural experience that really you put on the headphones, close your eyes, sit back and listen, and experience this song for what it was meant to come to or come through to your ears. I mean, it's absolutely a wild ride. Um, it captures everything that Rush is. Uh, incredible guitar work, incredible bass work, incredible drum work, which is a staple. Uh, I mean, every sense of the word of excellent comes into mind when it comes to this trio just dominating this song. I love everything about it. I love how it goes from calm and cool with cathedral-style bells to nearly psychedelic keyboards, all the way to, if I'm going to steal a phrase from Anthony, bombastic playing <laughs> throughout the middle and the end. Um, I mean, I love it. I mean, this is the kind of song that makes you want to sit back, smile, and wish you had seen Rush perform the song live if you if you never got to. This song is outstanding. I was tempted to give this one a 10, but I, I don't it's know if it's going to be considered iconic <laughs> in theirs. Uh, I gave it a 9. I think it's an outstanding tune. Chris, what would you think about Xanadu? <laughs> oh, Lordy. All right, guys. I'll just be from a beginner listener's perspective on this. 11 minutes, way too long. Uh, just floats around forever until the song actually even kicks in. A lot of twists and turns, probably a few too many. Instrumentally, it's really good. And Getty sounds good, but it's just too many. It's just too long for me. And there's not much. It's like, again, this is like free flow jazz. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes you want a little structure to your song. You don't get it here. I, I gave it a five. So what you will. I'm not. I'm not a diehard fan. Anthony. I don't know if this is iconic or not, but like it is whatever. iconic for Rush. Yeah, okay. It's okay. It's look. It's just not very good, a, man. I mean, it's, it's a virgin. It it's a virgin ear. I get it. You know. It's, once again, yeah. Well, Chris doesn't like long taste. songs. That's another reason why we picked me and you picked this you out. We we prefer we like long songs. Chris doesn't, so we thought he, he wouldn't enjoy it as much. So it mm -hmm. makes sense that he didn't enjoy this one as much. Exactly. We can go ahead and play off this all we can. Get. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Songfacts.com. This song is based on an unfinished poem called Kubla Khan by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who started writing it while under the influence of drugs. Once the effects of the drugs wore off, he was unable to complete it. Rush have never been known to use illegal substances, however, which I can possibly believe. I think they probably did a lot more uh, alcohol from, from what I've heard about Rush. Well, I'm sure they did some weed, but I'm talking about like the hard stuff, his hard oh, yeah. drugs. I don't think they did a lot of that stuff. I think everybody did weed. Hell, I've done weed. I mean, everybody's done weed, so it's almost common as beer most of the time. Um, this features one of the longest instrumental intros ever recorded. And sidebar, I think they recorded it outside, if I'm not mistaken, outside the studio that they were recording in to get the actual nature sounds and everything. So, oh, wow. It's not in Song Facts, but I learned it in the uh, Something for Nothing podcast when I was listening to it. Um, total time of the song is 11 minutes and 6 seconds. And slightly more than half this time is used in the intro before any lyrics come in. The legend of Xanadu is related to a number of myths and legends going back to the prehistory of Asia and in fact throughout the Americas, specifically that of Shambhala, 
there is a movement in the town of Coleridge to explore these legends. In doing so, we are tapping into the universal consciousness and ability that the members of Rush seem to be quite adept. And interesting fact, Geddy Lee played rhythm guitar on this song. So the dude is wow. just, he can sing, plays Basically rhythm, well. plays bass, plays keyboard, plays what else does the guy play? Crazy, man. Uh, you know, me personally, guys, this is another killer intro. I love the way this song builds, just like the last song, but I think the build-up here is, is even better. Then the song cranks, and it cranks to 11. Everything works from the opening note to the last. I think this is not only one of the greatest rock songs of all time, this is Rush perfection through and through. Um, it's everything you could ever ask from a Rush song. If you want to get someone into Rush, I dare say this would not be a good place to start. It's a 10. It's perfection. And uh, I would put it up there with the Stairway to Heavens. I really do. I think that's it's that kind of song for me when it comes to Xanadu. It is yeah, an amazing, right. epic song with a band firing on every single cylinder they've got. Every instrument's working perfectly. Everything's in tune. Every ab, every flow, everything just perfectly works. This is one of the most perfect rock songs I've ever heard. So it's a 10 for me. I will say the only argument I have against that would be is uh, the Stairway to Heaven comparison. I think that would lean more toward the Tom Sawyer because Tom Sawyer is so iconic. Well, I, I say Tom you, you Sawyer's up there you too. I mean? I'm not just yeah, saying absolutely. just this one. No, but I think Xanadu, um, top 10 rush oh, songs of all time. It's easily. absolutely an incredible, incredible song. Um, now, I will uh, a little quiz factor for you guys. There is another iconic tune out there that was inspired by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. By a band that we well, two of us love. <laughs> either either <laughs> one of you of want to take a gander at what song that may be. No clue. Man. I have no one, idea. It's the rhyme of the ancient mariner, Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, love that song. Samuel Taylor Coleridge wrote that. It's yeah, fantastic song. Oh, it's an epic song too. Epic as 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 this one is. All right, let's go ahead. We're gonna go to track number three. It's called Closer to the Heart. Here we go, guys. So, guys, those listening at home, we didn't know Chris was going to be on this today. So, I'm going to read exactly what I had wrote. <laughs> all right, first of all, I wrote it like this. It's a beautiful guitar intro. Slow building with Getty coming in earlier than normal on Rush songs. More cathedral bells in this song. Honestly, when I was listening to this song, I kept looking at my phone because I was thinking I was getting a message coming through with those little ding. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just one of those things I, I know it kind of sounds like an apple message notification on my phone and um I, I will say that this song was a single it's a shorter song it's a great musical piece that is a short ride quickly over 
which would be right up Chris's alley if he were here reviewing this week. <laughs> this song is not typical Rush, but it is still an excellent song. I find it to be an eight. All right, Chris, what do you think about Closer to the Heart? You are correct. It is my favorite song on the album. Uh, it's it's a nice structured song uh, with a solid chorus that that's, that stands out. Uh, instrumentally, it's very much in the pockets. The guys are nailing it. Uh, Getty sounds great. Um, I think it's probably my favorite song on the album. I gave it eight and a half. Fantastic. All right, Anthony, closer to the heart. Uh, songfacts.com. This is about people who run governments and how they should be responsible for initiating harmony among themselves, just as blue-collar workers do. Um, and it goes on to the next part, talks about a blacksmith and an artist and how they forge their creativity in their art. Man, I wish I wasn't so tired this morning. I could read better. Then we hear about the role of philosophers and plowmen in sowing a new mentality, a new way for people to view life. Finally, you can be the captain. I will draw the chart. Sailing into destiny closer to the heart. Achieving your goal is like sailing. Someone needs to guide you or be your role model, but you have to draw the charts to navigate towards your destiny. The goal is to be closer to the heart. So that was pretty cool. And Rush guitarist Alex Leibson says this is the ultimate Rush song. So, oh wow, I had not read that. That's great. Um, and me personally, man, I th- I said, uh, how do you follow up one of the greatest rock songs of all time? Well, you drop another one. Uh, that's how you do it. Arguably, this is one of Rush's most well-known songs. I mean, I know this song has been huge for them throughout their career. It's got everything you'd ever want in a Rush song, just like the last one. Great intro, great vocals, great this and great that. I could go on and on, but this is another banger. Nothing but love for it as well. It works. It's a 10. It's perfection for me too. So. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, Closer to the Heart, man, it's one of those big... You turn on classic rock radio, you'll hear Tom Sawyer, you'll hear Closer to the Heart, you'll hear Spirit of Radio, you'll hear at least three of the, one of those three occasionally from time to time. Working Man, you know, yeah. those are probably the top four you'll hear on classic rock radio when you turn it on. So it's That's a 10 awesome. in my mind. Well, so Fantastic. All right, so uh, we're going to move this up to track number four. It's the other single released from this record. It's called Cinderella Man. So Cinderella, man, I love the guitar intro riff. I mean, it hits you right right in the face starting this song off, and I love it. The acoustic strumming that briefly takes over after that, and then another story from the depths of Getty's mind. This is, the, of course, the other single of the album, and I can see why. The transitions can grab the listener and pull you right in. Also get some Zeppelin vibes musically on this song as well. Ironically, it's, it's another shorter tune in the world of Rush. And it's likely one of the reasons this song was chosen to be a single. 
that guitar solo with the panning from left to right, if you guys listen to it on headphones, it, it goes, it really does. And it does it throughout the entire solo. It's, it's typical 70s fashion. Nice touch. It's a trippy touch, of course, that gives you one more reason to throw on headphones. Uh, this song, honestly, is my favorite song on the record. I love this one. I gave this one a nine. I think it's outstanding start to finish. Chris, what did you think about Cinderella Man? Yeah, it's a. It's interesting. This was a, a single. A single. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I didn't. I'm not familiar with this one. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I say it's a little above average for me. I think it jams in parts. It's got a pretty decent chorus. Overall, it's a pretty good song. I gave it a six. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Anthony, Cinderella Man. Songfacts.com. This is loosely based on a movie called Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, starring Gary Cooper as a man from a small town who inherits lots of money and moves to the big city. Um, and since joining the band in 1974, drummer Neil Peart has written the lyrics for Rush's songs. These lyrics are an exception. They were written by uh, Getty Lee. So well, he, he writes a few songs occasionally. So uh, this was one of them. Um, personally, guys, once again, you know, Rush is firing on all cylinders. I love the sound of the bass, the guitars, the drums, digging the ebbs and flows. The hints of bass guitar sprinkled about. The guitar solo that bounces around the speakers, like you said, Jimmy, that's really cool. It's almost like a circling effect. I don't know how the hell they do it. You know, Especially Pink Floyd has like a you know? quad yeah, quadra, sonic or something like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, cool. I talked about it before. I think where Pink Floyd has a zipper in one of their songs. It zips up from one side to the other. Like you hear a zipper going. It's freaky as hell, but uh, it's cool. I forgot what song it was. But uh, anyways, yeah, I always thought this was an underrated Rush song. You know, I gave it an eight. I think it's an excellent tune. Very um, nice. Digging, but it's very underrated in their catalog. And I, I say underrated now, and I'm like, it was a single? <laughs> I always feel like I don't hear much about this song. So when I hear it, I'm Isn't like, it this is a really good, yeah. really a good song. song. Man. It's a great song. I, I love it, it makes it. me it's think, nice. too, have you all seen, you were talking about the Spear from U2 was doing that show in Vegas. Yeah, it's amazing. And I keep thinking of how many 70s bands should have had this technology. Could oh, you yeah. imagine a Rush show inside the Spear? <laughs> imagine a Pink Floyd show. You just oh my yeah. two monsters. Floyd, like, my God, Floyd was born for that. You're yeah, right. that would be right up their alley. It, Holy smokes! It, it's funny to me. We're finally getting the technology that all these bands needed, and now the bands that are out there, I don't think, will be able to use be that able technology. To take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Yeah. And it's it's really it's like ah, we need to bring everybody back from the seventies and put them into this day and age, man. You know, oh, but. Yeah. Oh, anyways, little sidebar. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. The Floyd's on it. Is it money? Because uh, there's a lot of. It's like, not ching, money. It's uh, money's it's got money. that ching, ching. Going no, it's a. Uh, right. Yeah, it's, it's God, it's the one. Like a zip in that, too, though. No, it's the one I think talking about the one with the man on fire shaking hands with the guy that's not on fire. It's on I that wish album. you were here. It's the album. I wish, wish you were here. Yeah, I think it's, it's the one album. talking about the music industry or something, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, have a cigar. I think it's Have a Cigar. I think it's Yeah, that's the music industry song. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So not that I'm a Pink Floyd fan or anything, but Pink Floyd's got some great tunes, man. (laughs) All right, guys, let's go to track number five. It's called Madrigal. Here we go. I'm Chris, go have fun with this one. Dragons grow 
So Madrigal. Well, there's always one, and this one's it. I tried. I have tried many times over the years to get into this brief song because it's only like two minutes long, and I get it. But for some reason, this song has never grabbed me. I felt like it's somewhat out of place, uh, and it's basically the, the one song that I would skip on this record. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I could still listen to it It's because it, it's only two minutes long, but it would be the one I would choose to skip if I was going to skip one. Um I can I still listen to it with the same admiration as I do for the rest of the tunes on this incredible album, but I feel like this song is absolutely filler. I I don't know how else to explain it, and this is the one that I'm gonna. This is one of those ones where you just think, man, it, it's not good in my ears. I can't even give it a good. I gave this one a mad because it's neither good nor bad. I don't think it's bad by no means, but this is the one that hurts this record in my ears, and and I adjust my score later because of this, but. Uh, it's neither good nor bad. It's there. It's kind of one of those ones like we've said in the past. It's a man in my ears. I gave this one a four. Chris, what do you think about Madrigal? Yeah, I think it's probably my sleeper of the night, guys. Um, wow. I, I really appreciate the length no, of two minutes. Long. <laughs> I, don't, don't get in. Don't, don't fall for that. Sure to be an ass. I, could, I was like, I started smiling. I couldn't. Uh, I know. Contain I, could, myself. I could see it because even me personally, <laughs> I can notice the little dip in this song. Even though I still gave it a pretty high score, I still notice this is the probably the weakest one. This on is the, the album. weakest one, absolutely. I mean, everybody yeah, would. Uh, yeah, I'll make it short but sweet. Uh, I don't have much to say about this one. It, it, even though it's a short song, it kind of drags, drawn out. It feels like a drawn out intro for the next song. Uh, would skip 10 times out of 10. It's it's a four for me as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Anthony, what do you think about Madrigal? I mean, I still say, I give it a seven. I think it's a great tune. So I'll, I'll put that out there first. Okay. I do still really like the song a lot, but I can definitely see, you know, where it kind of dips. And I do wonder sometimes because the first two songs and the last song were so long that they were trying to compress time because of the the nature of the what you were recording onto back in the 70s. If They're like, we need like two minutes. Can you guys give us like two oh, minutes? And they're like, uh, how about we've got Magical laying over here? Let's just pick that up and put it on the record. That's, that's about two minutes. I could see that kind of being the being the case, maybe why this one landed on here. So, um, hmm. so it, I think it's kind of cool too. It makes bands back in the 70s, I think, have to be a little more creative with what goes on a record. Where today, streamers don't have to do that. They can just throw anything on there. These bands put 30 songs up, these artists. Where back in the day, you really had to be very calculated about what you put on your record. So it made things stronger, I think, in a lot of ways. So, anyways, my little sidebar. Um, yeah. Magic Girl, Getty Lee sounds amazing on this ballad. And that's the one thing Rush does well is ballads. I think a lot of people probably don't know that. Um, they see this band as a bombastic jam, every instrument into the song kind of a band, which they do at times. But they also have songs like this that are simple and to the point. Um, it's just a solid tune from start to finish, and uh, one that I enjoy. I think it's a seven. It's great. Um, you know, I don't really skip hardly anything, but uh, I sure. still really do like the song. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we're going to round this album out. The final track. It's called Cygnus X One, Book One, The Voyage.
serious vocals right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right, so Cygnus X1, let's start with that. Uh, the song's an adventure from the moment it starts until it ends. The song is broken down into four parts, prologue, part one, two, and three. I think it's a pleasurable rise <laughs> through what seems to be a trip to space and learning about the song it was written based off black holes. Actually, the name of a black hole apparently back in the 70s was discovered, and they named it Cygnus X1, which is kind of cool because it does sound spacey and trippy. If you listen, I, know I, I captured the part that Anthony wanted. There was so much stuff to grab from this song. It's it's very, very difficult to pull, pull apart. It's only a 10-minute song for Rush, and it's not bad. I know <laughs> I had to say that, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> but there's so much greatness in this song that it's hard to grab something, and we wanted that. Because this, the, the last part is whenever Getty is the most frantic, and it's like they know they're in trouble, and I guess they're going into the black Get hole. Sucked into the black what, hole. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I think Getty has his time to shine, and the bass gets the workout of the album. Alex gets to show off some more of his Jimmy Page style inspiration. I hear Page riffs throughout this song, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I will say, vocally, it goes from subtle to frantic, and the sonic space that Alex and Neil are delivering so so much perfection in this song it, it's one of the ones where i feel like it it's a perfect ending for this record and i get it chris it's long it's 10 it's 10 minutes long but it's not to my ears it's not long it's something i absolutely think it's it's worth the ride um and the, the final thought on this song is there's so much sound and so much sonic nuances going on it's amazing that only three people are making this happening um this is rush Although not perfection, it is somewhere between outstanding and perfection, and it's the best way I think they could end this album. I gave this a 9.5. It's my highest mark, although it's not my favorite song because I do love Cinderella Man a little better. This is my second favorite song on this record. I love it. Chris, what do you think about Cygnus X 1, book one, The Voyage? I can't wait. Well, well I should preface <laughs> this by saying, in all seriousness, uh, I only listen to this one time, and something tells me this is something you need to listen to several times to really catch everything in the song, right? Sure. Uh, I mean, to me, initially, it's like, well, it just goes on too long, obviously, and it's lack structure, and it's just all over the place. I mean, it really is. But I think if you dig into it a little bit, I mean, there, there are definitely some redeeming parts of the song, and, and I kind of feel like, uh, you know... Kind of reminds me of like Dave Matthews or something back in the day. It just jams forever, right? I mean, that's what these guys do, and jam, and man. I get it. That's that's what their shtick is, and, and when it comes to that, they they do an exceptional job, I guess. So I, I try to kind of like check my preferences at the door on this one and say, okay, what is this song? And and I'm gonna give it a six because I think they're very good okay. at, at at what they're doing in this song. It may not be my personal taste. But but I do think it's very good for what it is. I'll That's a, leave it at that. a fair assessment, dude. You know what? I appreciate the opinion on it. Yeah, and, and, I, and again, I think if I listen to it several <laughs> times, and if I were into this kind of music, I'd probably be really, really love it. Probably. You'd be jazzed by it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I get and, it, And man. there is a freeform jazz, like I mentioned before, kind of like almost like a Coltrane-esque version to this stuff that just kind of flows and they just do their own thing and they're – Maybe not a lot of structure to it, but that's not really what this music's supposed to be. I, I was I was reading, you know, you guys say prog rock all the time, and I was trying to read a definition here. And it says the term progressive rock is synonymous with art rock. Uh, and so it was like the very first line on it, they're talking about modernist avant-garde approach to music and all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, this is all jazz, man. That's what it is. I can see that, you know. So got to give them props for that, I guess. 
fair enough man fair enough i appreciate the honest uh thoughts on that because i i know one listen is definitely not enough for that song and and i'm sure that's that's that was probably tough for you to get through as long as the song is and i get it man i get it i get um, one solid through <laughs> listen <laughs> one whole listen that's good no i'll joking aside dude that's I, all I, I actually appreciate you even giving a listen all right anthony close this thing out with the final track what do you think about cygnus 6-1 well, we should get Chris to listen to the part two, which is 18 minutes 18 long. minutes, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which album's that on? He was, it's the, the next, next album. One. It's on Hemispheres, yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, so that one, and then, uh, love it. was it Caress of Steel? It's over 20 minutes long, if I'm mistaken. That's a great one. Wow, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Get him into those eventually. You know, Anthony, one day I'm going to I'm gonna suggest we review Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. I think there's only two songs. Right, awesome. Yeah. They go on forever. <laughs> there's two songs. Forever. It I'm not sure how we'd review that. We could ha- we'd have to cut parts out of it because I mean you only have like two 60 second cuts. But it is a great album, man. I love I love the frantic. You want to talk about frantic? Oh my god, yeah. John McLaughlin's guitar work is incredible on that. Yeah. Anyway, nonetheless, continue, Anthony. All right, uh, I'm getting some weird popping in my ears. Y'all hearing that at all? Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe it'll be fine once the recording. Yeah, comes I'm sure through. it'll be okay. Yeah, I don't know. My internet's been acting buggy all week. I actually threw my remote control across the room yesterday, smashed it against the wall. Luckily, it didn't break because I was trying to watch the Ryder Cup and it kept spinning. And I was like, "There you go," you know, because the remote's the problem, right? Absolutely. Um, in fact, uh, my kids are like, "Why did you do that?" And I was like, "I don't know." Um, anyways, what rage? Exactly, Roy <laughs> Rage. Songfacts.com. Cygnus X1 is the name given to an X-ray source in the constellation of Cygnus, believed to be a black hole, which you guys talked about. In Greek mythology, Rocinante is the name of the horse that Zeus rides. It was also the name of Steinbeck's motorhome in Travels with Charlie, as well as the name of Don Quixote's horse. This is a two-part song with part one appearing on A Farewell to Kings and part two appearing on Hemispheres, which is a great album. The two individual parts are only tenuously connected. And here you go. This is part one was split into these different sections. The Voyage, part one, prologue, two and three. Book two was divided into these sections. Hemispheres one, prelude, two, Apollo, bringer of wisdom, three, Dionysus, bringer of love, four, Armageddon, the battle of heart and mind, five, Cygnus, bringer of balance, six, the spear, a kind of dream. So... If you can follow all that. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Getty Lee's unique vocals on this track resulted in part from experimentation with different microphones. So they used different microphones to capture Getty Lee throughout the, throughout the thing. So that was pretty cool. Um, and my thoughts on Cygnus X1, this is Rush being nothing but Rush. This band excelled at taking subject matter and themes that shouldn't work but somehow not only made them work, but made them flawless. This is one of those songs, very cinematic and epic in the way it's put together. I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I also enjoy the way they bring that bass guitar in. It get dun, dun, dun. You know, about 1.30, it kind of starts building in, and just like it's in the distance, and then it kind of comes into the speakers from in the distance. It's really cool if you listen to it. Uh, and when it arrives, the song just kind of gets off and running after that. And then it's just in the jam from start to finish with ebbs and flows and dips and drops and bass solos and drum solos and guitar solos. And Getty, of course, finishes off with a scream that's heard across the cosmos, which I totally dig. It's a 10 for me, guys. It's perfection. Um, it's 
it's an amazing rush song from start to finish i mean there's a reason why i love this album so much there's just so many great iconic songs for them on here and this is another big one for them they played this one parts of it in concert throughout the years i'll play part one here part two there part three there five six and seven in one part you know and so but it's been a big concert staple for them so yeah anyways that's my thought (laughs) fair enough short and sweet absolutely absolutely (laughs) i've got some final thoughts for this record um First of all, I want to say, Anthony, I'm glad we did this. Uh, of course, I wasn't expecting Chris to be here. I was going to say this is one that Chris really missed an opportunity to give it, get, get a chance to listen, but he did listen, and I appreciate him going through this. I mean, I, I, I get it, dude. It's not for everybody. Um, I will say this, though. A Farewell to Kings is probably my top three Rush albums at this point in my life. Um, and, and I'm saying that because my top one is never going to be taken away from me. It's moving pictures. It's because it was my first Rush my first love of Rush. Uh, it was the first thing that really captured my imagination and, and my thoughts. When I was, you know, young, I was in high school when I listened to that, and it was it was just amazing. Um, and I think the one, the other one, and this is this is controversial, I'm sure, but I think Fly By Night's probably my second favorite. Maybe amazing. It, it'd be it's between this and, and Farewell to Kings. I, I like those those albums so so well. Um, but uh, this album. Only one song I really don't care for, but the other ones are just absolutely magnificent. Um, I took this journey t- uh, to take on the music of Rush many, many years ago, and I'm, I went through what Anthony's going through now. At the time I went through it, you didn't have internet, you didn't have Spotify, you didn't have your Apple Musics to get this stuff easily. You had to go out either and buy it or get somebody to burn a copy for you or you know record it on cassette. And um, back then, thankfully, I didn't have as many albums. I was able to <laughs> able to successfully get the majority of that stuff, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old fairly easily. Um, man, this album is simply, a, it's a ride. It is a ride. Um, I think it's a highly recommended listen for somebody wanting to uh, see what Rush is about. I do think Moving Pictures is the first step for anybody that never listened to the album, never listened to Rush, I should say. Um, but Rush is truly an acquired taste, and it's best taken in small bites. Once you get into it, you may never get out of it. It, it really can grab you and capture you. Um, I think uh, the music's fantastic. You do have to get past the vocal stylings of Getty because it's not for everybody, and I understand. Um, overall, this record came to a 7.8, but it's because the magical song brought it down so much. And it being that meh, I'm going to go ahead and round this up to possibly a, maybe an 8.2, 8.3. I think it's worthy of that. Um, it's certainly at least 8, because I think it is an excellent album through and through. Um, and that being said, man, go out and give this a chance. I think it's a great listen. Chris, what was your uh, final thoughts on this record? Well, you know, it's it's about what I expected going in. Uh, some of it's really good. For me, some of it goes on a little too long. Uh, I did feel the need to insert myself in this today because I knew this would be a, a slobber fest if if I, if I didn't. Was it what as bad as you expected though? Was it? <laughs> There's no <laughs> it's way. About what right? I expect. It's about what I expected. Uh, but I needed to fa- balance out some of the fanboying here for the to give a everybody else's perspective. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, you know what? Um, I was thinking about this. I remember Jimmy. You, you said you got into this in high school. Do you remember why you got into this in high yeah, school? Yeah, Miss Bradley. Exactly. I, I think you kind of need to give her a, a, a absolutely. I, I think she passed away soon after we graduated, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we, yeah I think within uh, five but or six years. I, I have a, a vague recollection. I don't, know, Anthony. I don't know if you even had Miss Bradley. She was a humanities teacher up at the high school. I remember the name. And uh, she, I can remember one day 
actually twice I can remember her just saying, and maybe it's where she had cancer and was like, she's like, what are they going to do, fire me? I mean, it might have been her mindset. I don't know. But I remember us just walking to her house one day. She's like, all right, class, we're, we're going out. <laughs> we just all like walked you had to her, her house. For seventh period. She I lived for first period. She yeah. lived down on Valley Street, I remember. And I, I remember walking down there. Well, no, it was, it was behind the hospital back there somewhere. It's pretty good no, walk. It was the next street past it. the library. It was up a hill behind yeah, the library. I mean, think how far course. that was from the high yeah. school, man. Uh, and we all walked there. And then one day we all walked down toward like uh, behind the Starving Artist Cafe. She was showing some stuff on like the rail line down there. I remember there was some art uh, like that had been painted Good in different Lord, places that was in town hall. it was and i don't think she might have driven us out there but i don't it seems like we walked the whole way so anyway i just want to give her uh you know there are teachers in in life who kind of like mold things about us and i dare say she molded some rush fans from that high school that in those years would be my guess especially like around around the time we graduated because because like i say i think she kind of she probably knew she didn't have long for this world and was like, I want to impart this wisdom on people. And I don't know. Yeah. I, that stuck with me. And I, I never was a huge Rush fan, obviously, but like I appreciated the way she went about that and, and seemed to care about her students and wasn't like over the top disciplinarian or anything, but like just balanced that very well. I don't know. Well, uh, one last note this, on Chris, this. She did make us write a report or a paper on the song Witch Hunt from the album Moving Pictures. I don't, I don't know if, at least first grade, the first period. First I can't grade, remember. First class there might have been like an assignment we had, we had to, to write yeah. a report on that. I, and I, that's the thing; I never will forget it. And she was really, really into it, man. Uh, mm. I, I she mean, was I, definitely. I know it's a sidebar, but I remember. Um, oh God, I want to say it was maybe this is terrible, but my senior picture day. I, I mean, you, you picked me up, and we put away quite a bit of booze that morning, and I got in the first period, and. Uh, and I was already drunk, and she knew it, and she told me to go sit in the back <laughs> in the corner, dude. I'll never yeah, forget yeah. it. She's like, listen, I know what you're doing. You need to go back there, and you need to put your head on your desk. You need to relax, and you need to rest. You need to think about what you've done this morning. <laughs> That's all she ever said to me. <laughs> I, and I never will forget. I mean, I, I remember thinking I was going to be in some deep stuff, but that was, man, God. That was amazing. She was a great person. She was a good person. She really cared about her, her kids, too. She did. Yeah. She was Miss well, Drew yeah. before she was Miss Bradley. She was Miss Drew when we first started high school. Do you know that? In eighth grade, ninth grade? And then she got I married. I remember that. Do you remember yeah. that? And then she became Miss Bradley. Yeah. I, I do just wanted to bring that. that up, too. Yeah, God rest her soul, man. She was a good person. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I bet, I bet there were a lot of kids that came through that high school that were a little, old, little older than us. Oh, yeah. Who probably were had a lot of... Uh, I don't know. It kind of reminded me, like, you know, the Goldbergs did an episode, and it was Tom Sawyer, but... Did, did you guys see that where like uh, I have seen Erica's, it since you told me she starts dating the, the like the high school burnout and he's a big Rush fan she's just like Rush what kind of nonsense is this and he's like just sit in the car and they start playing Tom Sawyer and you're just and she yeah. cries like get wide and, and she's like all in on Rush after that yeah. whole episode <laughs> yeah anyway all right my my score on this I, I'm gonna give it a six is very good. It may not be my cup of tea a lot of times, but I do appreciate what it is, and and I understand if you like this kind of music, it's probably like really high on your radar. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's that's higher than I thought it'd be. To be honest with you, that's awesome. All right, Anthony. It, well, Probably. it didn't score out that high, but I'm giving it a six. Oh, yeah. poor <laughs> All right, Anthony. What's your final thoughts? I mean, honestly, I'm I'm just glad we got a chance to dive into it a little bit. Like I said. With uh, the bonus stuff I want to do on the podcast, I hope to dive into as many Rush albums as I can, either on my own or with Jimmy. 
Uh, maybe I'll bring Chris along too. I mean, it's kind of fun to have his his ignorance on here too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> true, true. But uh, anyways, I love Unbiased him. Biased opinion. I, I yes, bust his balls, but I love him. We've been friends for so long. But uh, uh, you know, I highly recommend that uh, if you want to get into Rush or if you just love music that takes chances or just good solid rock music. I mean, I can't recommend this one enough. It's a nine for me. It's what my final score came out to be an even nine outstanding cool. so um, awesome. i was going to say too when you were talking about albums if you step out of the 70s power windows might be one of my favorites from the 80s for them and then uh vapor trails was a i got lucky on vapor see when i came into rush was after everything was done so they actually put out vapor trails and everybody hated the re- the mix so they remixed vapor trails and put out another version of it and that's the version i got to hear the one everybody liked so Vapor Trails is a really strong for me because I got to hear the remix, the right version of it. So that's another one. And I remember Roll the Bones stood out to me a lot going through my journey. Uh, Presto, too, as well. You know, if you step behind the 70s, the 70s are like, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Throw any 70s Rush album out. But then I think I after do. the 70s. I love them. You know, so anyways. Them. But almost, I was thinking about this yesterday. I almost take moving pictures out of the time when I pick albums by Rush for me because of what it means to rush. It's almost like with Jimmy Buffett. I don't put changes in latitudes in the conversation many, many times because of what that album meant to his career. And it's almost the automatic one. You know, I kind of look at the albums that are not the automatic ones to kind of put people into. So sure. Sure. It's my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Wow. Wow. Well, man, I, you know, I, I wasn't for sure how we were going to wrap this up because I know Anthony, you're going to edit this thing afterwards. And, uh, and what you hear is what you get. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and thank you for listening it's over no uh, that's what i'm uh, saying man i don't have a lot of time dude, to do this stuff so what you get if, this, if it sounds good it's going out man <laughs> it's a, it's a great it was just a great listen it's it's a departure from what we normally listen to and i and i you know i appreciate it because especially it's a band i respect and and i certainly do love a lot of their music and and as as you you well know i'm pretty much you go back from i would dare say Power Windows might be my top end as far as the age of Rush for me for loving, absolutely loving. Um, you can go back, all the 70s stuff. You're right. It's fantastic. Killer, killer, killer. Love it. Um, and I appreciate all the stuff they've done post Row the Bones. I wasn't a huge, huge fan of Snakes and Arrows. That Snakes was, and uh, Arrows was good. That one's a little. It's, it's yeah. okay. Clockwork was a nice return, but it, was, it, was. it, it just never never grabbed the. Uh, but to close with the garden is their like last song in their last track. Album, like yeah. Final track. That's that a nice a way song. to wrap up a career. <laughs> it was a great song. Yeah, and the production was there. You know, so much better production then. So, yeah, nonetheless. All right, boys, we'll wrap this thing up for the Audible Ecstasy podcast. This is Jimmy. This is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is it. <laughs>